Damn, it's been a long time. Seems like it's been a long time anyway since we did another podcast. I don't even know. Well, shit. You guys are used to this. I don't know what the hell podcast episode this is. Let me look it up. 33. 33. Episode 33 of the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Rob Goodwin Fitness Podcast. Yes, I'm co-branding. <laughs> more, more on that. <laughs> um, man, it's been... Has 2022 been fucking weird to everybody else out there like it's been to me? I mean, obviously... I'm going through a lot of, I'm going through my own personal evolution. Some of it has been great. Some of it has been hard to swallow. I think every day that I wake, I, I really have to make a serious affirmation to be on board with the change because we get so ingrained with what we identify with by way of what we are doing or what we have been doing that it begins to consume us. And by doing so, I am not following the advice that I have given to others. Precisely, do not let anything define you rather live day to day in the moment with what you are doing. If you are convinced that what you are doing is going to be beneficial to your own physical growth, your growth in terms of making you a healthier human being in terms of spiritual growth, in terms of mental clarity and growth. If you feel very confident in what you are doing is lending to that, then you have to also fight those inner demons that are trying to pull you away from what you have been, from the trench that you've kind of dug and, and been beholden to for many, many, for me, years. And even though I think I've even said on the podcast, in fact, I'm, I'm sure I have, where I talk about, you know, for me, competitive bodybuilding, I've been doing that to the highest level that I could possibly put forward since 2014. Before that, I was still training my ass off, but engaged in a lot of endurance sports, cycling. I, I dabbled in some running. I dabbled in triathlon, still all the while training hard in the gym. And before that, back in the early to mid 90s, if you know anything about me, I was heavily entrenched back in that bodybuilding world where to me, it was a grand experiment. It always has been. I've had this conversation recently with some clients in my gym that I'm working with one-on-one. -on -one. And it was never about the, it was never about impressing anyone. It was never about the aesthetic in so much that I was trying to impress anyone. That's never been me. I've never been that guy. It's always good to hear that, hey, you look great. It's always to hear, you know, from your spouse, from your significant other, from your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever they, they may be, 
that they appeal to your physical form. They like the way you look. Physical attraction is a part of it. It's ingrained in our DNA, but it's not everything. We know, we damn sure know that. Um, so it's never been a thing for me. It's always been the grand experiment of pushing the envelope. I've always been into aggressive things that through forging, you know, under heat or stress or load that, you know, you come out of that tempered and you create something better from the stress that you apply. That's what physical improvement is. That's really what mental improvement is. That's what improvement across the board is. It's coming out of the comfort, the crisis of comfort that we are under as a species now at this era because of technology, because of comfort, because of 72 degree air conditioning, because of cars and plush seats and stereos and internet and laptops and computers, because of refrigerators and supermarkets and Amazon, you know, we've never been more comfortable yet. We've never been more fat and weak, physically weak, emotionally weak, weak in every aspect. We think that this is a progression. We think that this is an evolution, that it's a positive thing that we are pushing towards making things easier is going to be a benefit. I've yet to see that. <laughs> I tell my 14 year old daughter that our telephones used to be attached to walls and tabletops with cords. And if I had to look something up, I had to look something up in a big ass book or I had to travel to the library. Or if I wanted to go buy something, I pedaled my mongoose BMX bike into town and made that, that pilgrimage in order to buy that thing that I coveted and then bring it back. Our ancestors would walk in upwards of 20 to 25 miles per day. Talk about getting your steps in. And this was because this was survival. And if they were successful in a hunt, they would have to then do the ultimate weighted carry and carry in the upwards of a hundred pounds strapped to their back, back to their camp, which was God knows how far away. We have to escape this comfort on a daily basis to a degree in order to truly grow. I'm six minutes and 58 seconds into this podcast. And I'm already going off track. <laughs> You're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Welcome to the ketogenic bodybuilding podcast, Rob Goodwin fitness podcast. Listen, um, I've got a lot on my mind today, yet I don't really have anything on paper. So this is just me spewing more mindless bullshit in the hopes that you guys enjoy listening to said mindless bullshit as you are doing whatever it is you're doing cardio, driving in your car, whatever it is. Um, hey, before I go any further on this bizarro tangent that I'm on, I promise it'll kind of make sense. I want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by a couple of wonderful organizations and one damn cool thing. The one damn cool thing is I have a new coaching program. 
And I know that my podcast listeners are my most loyal people out there in this sphere. And it's called Tier One. Tier One is a subscription-based coaching service. It's one of my most proud achievements. You get to choose your method of operation. You get to choose what team that you operate on. Team Lion, Team Wolf, or Team Rogue. Team Rogue is new. Team Lion are these types of workouts. In fact, many of them are the exact workouts that I used in order to forge a physique that gave me the ability to win my class multiple times in the MPC bodybuilding world and even took me to nationals. Team Wolf is more of the kind of stuff I'm doing right now, the kind of workouts that would make you a more complete hybrid athlete, a badass son of a bitch at all levels, strength, conditioning, etc. And I also now have Team Rogue. For those of you that might have limited equipment, you've gone rogue and you don't train in a typical gym setting by way of your own body weight or some dumbbells or some kettlebells, maybe a couple of sandbags, maybe a TRX strap, maybe a barbell. You engage in some badass high intensity workouts, some of which may be in your own fucking backyard or in your garage or whatever. That's Team Rogue. I've got workouts for that too. I put a lot of thought to recently because I'm doing some of that shit myself. Tier one is so freaking cool because I've given anyone the ability to have weekly programming on a really cool, really powerful app to where all of your workouts are loaded every Monday morning for the entire week. You can even make substitutions. You can push workouts to different days if your schedule doesn't accommodate the one that I put down. And you can track everything you're doing, the sets, the reps. There's a video explanation of every movement so you know you're getting the form right and you understand how the workouts work. I give explanations in the instruction section of how to do each superset, rest, pause set, whatever high intensity technique that I'm employing for that particular workout. I'm giving you bonus videos right to your DM inbox on the app as special bonus content. All of this is only 49 bucks a month. If you wanna support the podcast, if and in doing so, you want to change your physique, make a wholesale change in your physique, then tier one is freaking cool. And in this day and age, when we're all struggling, when everything is out beyond the fucking breakers and we're living in a giant fucking dumpster fire, sorry, I wanted to do something that was affordable, that would appeal to anyone's budget and still give you amazing workouts based on nearly 30 years experience. That's tier one. Go to robgoodwin.com. Click the button on the home page. There's a video that I made that explains everything and tons of information just below that video walks you through it. I'd love to have you on one of the teams. We've got over 70 people on the teams already. You can also interact in a group on the app and converse with other team members on your team. You can brag, you can ask questions, you can you know, have a, a tribal sort of mentality with other like-minded people within your team and much, much more that I didn't, that I'm not even mentioned because I don't want it to go too long on this, but tier one, it is the coolest freaking thing perhaps that I've done in terms of value for what you get and what you invest. So go to robgoodwin.com, check it out, see if it's something that's right for you. I'd love to see you on the teams. I look forward to seeing your application come through and I will get you set up on the app super fast and I will get you training in no time. 
And the other cool thing about that is if you trust anything that I say, if you enjoy any of this content, if you're a tier one team member, you can interact with me 24 seven regarding anything. If you have a question about anything regarding your program, supplementation, you know, how is this food? What am I, if, is this right? Is this wrong? What would you do in this situation? You just shoot me the message, you'll get an answer. So it's not just badass workouts delivered to your app every single week, forever, as long as you stay a member. But you also get the ability to, you know, interact with myself and I will help you. I will be your coach and I will help you with anything that you need any way possible. That's my promise to you especially to my podcast people. When you sign up, make sure you put in the referral column that you're a podcast listener and I will go above and beyond for you guys because you guys have always been there for me. Also, in the notes here, I want you to check out my links on my link tree. That's just a collection of links that take you directly to the cool shit that uh, companies that support this podcast, that support my organization, that are gonna help you get some cool shit in return. You know that I love Animal Pack Nutrition. You know that I've been using their shit since 1994 every single day. And by using the coupon code 10RGF, you can save 10% off of your entire order. And uh, I would invite you to take advantage of that. I use probably a half a dozen, literally, Animal Pack products every single day. And there's something for you too. And uh, so check that out. The link is in the link tree uh, that I will put on the show notes. Also, Element, L-M-N-T. If you don't know about this yet, you've been under a rock. It is a incredible electrolyte, magnesium, and sodium drink packet that doesn't have any sugar. Nothing crazy or artificial, no bullshit. You add this to some water, consume this while you're training, consume this pre-workout, consume this while you're doing your workout, or just have a pack anytime throughout the day and it's gonna give you those extremely critical electrolytes, magnesium, potassium, and sodium that you need to truly excel, especially if you're on any version of a lower carb, primal, carnivore, ketogenic, animal-based, what the hell ever. This is gonna be a game changer for you and I do at least two of these every day and they're affordable. If you click the link on my link tree, and place any order of any kind, because you're a listener to this podcast, you're going to get a bonus amount of element on top of what you order absolutely free. And that's a really damn cool thing. A lot of my listeners are doing this. They say it's great what they receive in return for free as being a podcast listener. Uh, I had Rob Wolf, he's one of the creators of Element on my podcast. We've become friends and uh, he told me I had to partner with Element, you know, I didn't have a choice, so I did. And it's been great. Phenomenal company, phenomenal people, phenomenal products. So please check that out. All right, we're paying the bills. I hope to see you on tier one. Let's get going on this. I started out talking about just basically a sea change to some degree of my state and the mental you know, sort of back alley knife fight that goes with that. And, and I think that probably ensues with anybody who's making a wholesale change in what they're doing. I go, you know, basically I'm going from one thing that I've been completely ingrained into and focused on for the last, you know, almost decade. And now I'm not doing it anymore. I retired from competitive bodybuilding, but you know, I couldn't just continue doing that. In other words, if I'm not competing, 
then I needed to push myself to something beyond that, that was just as or more, let's say challenging, but I needed it to elicit a different kind of a change, a different kind of improvement in my physique. Now, before I keep treading down this path, I want you to understand that if you are a competitive physique competitor, I truly think that you need to be zeroed in and focused on that because it's a different world and it's a, and it's a very straightforward, specific protocol that you've got to walk through in order to do that. Just this past weekend, one of my clients, David, kicked ass in an NPC show at 64 years old, competing with people half his age to some degree. And then I think uh, he was in the 40 plus category and the guy's 65 because they didn't have a 60 plus in this show. And he still meddled in this damn thing. He got, I think a second and a, a, a couple of thirds, if I'm not mistaken. I've never had anybody place outside the top three that I've coached. He was doing a specific protocol that I walked him through and it paid off. The guy looked shredded to the bone, looked amazing, looked like he was carved out of wood. And I had another client uh, a couple of weeks ago who kicked ass in uh, the women's physique category and just looked fucking dangerous and did great, meddled and was a huge victory. And they're going to keep going. And that's great. My competitive side of me and competitive bodybuilding has run its course. And I would never trade that for, for anything. One of the greatest experiences of my life, one of the hardest things I've ever done. I, I won my class and not only my age group, but also in the open, which was against people half my age. And I will always have that. You'll never take that away from me. And then I can use that experience for those of you out there who want to do a physique competition or push the boundaries of your physique and take yourself to a place that you've never been before, even if it's just once in your life as a bucket list kind of a thing. But for me, having done that and now stepping outside of that, I'm now moving towards something now that I'm, I'll be 54 in November. So now for me, the focus is I want to be a unique balance of all things go. The best version of myself that I can possibly be at any age. What's cool about my fitness world and endeavors and the way I consume nutrition right now is it now makes turning 54 and then 55 and then 60 more exciting because every year that I age, I put myself into more of a unique category of human being because I know I'm in the extreme minority. If I'm walking around with good blood work numbers. I'm healthy as shit. I can perform at a high level. I can hang toe to toe with fucking 25 year olds. And I'm maintaining 10% body fat. I'm lean, I'm fit, I'm muscular. I'm able to do things that the common 40 year old, 50 year old cannot do for the greater part. I wanna be in that 1%. I wanna be the freak in the room no matter what I do. And it's exciting to know that you can do this. And now I'm pushing myself in different ways. I'm adding the you know, uh, conditioning element that's beyond the aesthetic. And it's fucking hard. But I love that because if I'm not challenging, excuse me, challenging myself every single day, then I feel dead because I have truly 
become that person. And anybody can become that person. If you're listening to this, you can become that person. It's just going to take time being forged in the fire. And by applying enough heat and stress to that liquid steel and then hammering it and forging it and molding it and shaping it to a sharp weapon that then you can use to impress massive destruction on your enemies. I know it's a metaphor to some degree. To be prepared for anything, to be lethal, to be harder to kill. That is my goal. To know that if I'm faced with a situation that is unique and requires effort to either fight or flight, that I can handle the job, the task at hand. Or if it's just climbing a freaking ladder and changing the floodlight you know, at the back of my house, whatever the case may be, to be able to run around with a four-year-old grandson while everybody else at the park is too fat, too lazy, too tired, too weak, and too fucking pathetic to get out there and play with their kids. So they're sitting on the benches watching, lending every excuse in the world why they're not out there while I'm the moron that's going face first down, face first down the slide and hanging upside down off the monkey bars. And all the kids wonder who the weird old guy is. But they also secretly think it's freaking cool. You want to be that guy. You want to be that lady. You want to be that woman. Don't you? Well, you probably wouldn't be listening to my ass if you didn't. Onward. So now that I've made a wholesale change, I've literally, I, I truly did struggle with the transition of coming out of competitive bodybuilding. And now I, 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 I find myself, I have to slap my own face when I find myself really missing some of the elements of a, of a bodybuilding prep. And the funny thing is, is the things that I miss the most are the things that were the hardest to do because I have taken the time in this, I've walked through enough fires to turn my body and my mind into this determined human being, not motivated, but determined to the goal because motivation dies, it wanes. Determination is lasting because even though you are determined, you will still have little failures and you'll have successes, but you still keep pressing forward to the task at hand to complete the goal. So I stay determined and my determination now is to push myself to a level beyond myself. Strength, conditioning, aerobic health, health in terms of my physical body, in terms of longevity, knowing that my blood work numbers are outstanding, that I put myself into a category that's different from everyone else. I want my doctor to say, Jesus, man, I don't see numbers like this and guys your age. Don't you want to hear that? Some of you are, and it's awesome. So I think I'm finally at this point where I'm comfortable being the retired competitive bodybuilder. You know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I can't travel in that circle anymore because I'm not doing it. And that's just silly. I was thinking that for a little while. I was thinking, okay, because I'm not a competitive bodybuilder anymore, I, I can't wear that, you know, 
that that label anymore. That's bullshit. I've been through that shit practically every year since 2014 and lived that shit on the other side back in the early to mid 90s. I've paid my dues. I've earned my place. So, you know, I can continue to follow the sport of bodybuilding. I can continue to work with bodybuilders. I can continue to, you know, pay attention to the the local scene because I know that I've earned my place. But now for me personally, in my air quote retirement, it's time to take it to another level. If I was retiring from competition and bodybuilding and just put my ass down and put on 20 pounds and got soft and got weak, then yeah, that pulls me out of that unique group because now I feel like regardless of what I do, I have to maintain the standard that people who are in this world fight to maintain on a regular basis. So now the goals are different. The path to those goals is a bit different, but the task at hand remains the same. And I think the benefit of what I'm doing now truly suits who I am as a human being, a thriving human being to take on whatever challenge lies in front of me next. And you never know what that's going to be, especially in this insane world. Now, things that we thought would never happen in our culture, in our society, in our country, that 20 years ago, you, you would have been like, no, that'll never happen. Nobody would buy into that. Nobody would think that nobody would do that. People are bending over backwards and doing it every day. And it just stuns me. If I could go back and talk to my grandfather and say, hey, check this Instagram feed out, check this Twitter feed out, check out what's happening. I want you to watch an hour of mainstream media. This is what's going on now. He'd be like, that's bullshit. There's no way people would be, you know, there's no way people would be convinced of that as being anything beneficial. Yet it's happening, but it's happening in everything. And it's happening in the health and fitness world. We're getting to the point, no, scratch that. We are at the point where for the most part, whatever they're telling you, you should probably do the opposite. It really has got to that point. We have to live now in a counter culture. We've got to be the new movement. So what does that move, new movement look like for myself? Well, the thing that, that, well, you know what? Let's just walk down a list. What does, what is ketogenic bodybuilding? That's, that's my alter ego, my, my, a brand that I created. It's Rob Goodwin, me. Or if you like Rob Goodwin Fitness, my umbrella company. And part of that became ketogenic bodybuilding, which took a life of its own several years ago and became a thing. And now through my evolution, I find myself kind of questioning if that's even relevant. And I was struggling with that. Is it something that just needs to die? 
or is it relevant? And I pondered that over a very good glass of bourbon and a very fine cigar. And I thought to myself, you know what? It, it is relevant. Because even though I've made some subtle changes, it's still something that evolved out of me many over a decade ago coming into that ketogenic diet world and being one of the, you know, OGs of that, even though I'm not nearly as famous or popular as some of the other ones, but I was around at the same time doing the same damn things. There's a few things that I was doing that other big name people in the sphere did and got claim and credit for. <laughs> not that, you know, not that there's a patent on any of this stuff. Uh, but I was right there in the trenches with all these people at roughly the same time. I came out of that paleo world and through my own personal endeavors and, and research decided that the next level might be better for me. And in some cases it was, in some cases it was not. And where it was not, I learned how to make changes and adjustments and evolve out of that into totally pursuing what is going to be the best possible thing for me. And not only me, but the, the thing with me is I have to answer to a clientele. And probably 70% of that clientele has come to me because they want to live this kind of a lifestyle too and gain this benefit as well. So I am responsible in what I do that it's going to be beneficial for those who follow my lead. So there's a lot of pressure. This isn't about just, oh, I'm going to do this and go make a bunch of money. Now I do do training in order to make a living feed my family and pay the bills. But I could have sold out a long time ago in many, many different ways. And it was offered to me. And I said, no, because it stood against what I believed. And I wasn't going to sell out that way. So when I'm telling you what I am doing, it's because this is what I'm doing. Now, the thing of what I'm doing is it's not always the easiest thing to package up. As I've evolved certain things about this culture of diet, nutrition, fitness, if you will, another term I'm really tired of, I, I'm tired of the labels. I'm tired of the classifications. I hate the word carnivore. I hate the word paleo. I hate the word keto. I hate the word Mediterranean. I hate the word whatever. People rack their brains to come up with some clever fucking, you know, de, uh, what do you call it? Uh, some segment, some, some offshoot of the whole ancestral health, primal, low carb world and try to come up with their own name and label that name and trademark that name and put a cool logo on that name in order to try to convince people out there in the sphere that their version of this is the be all end all and I've got the better way and come follow me like some Pied Piper. When really that's a bunch of bullshit. Ketogenic bodybuilding is always going to be attached to me. But I've evolved from the ketogenic thing to a degree, but at the same time, I'm still hanging in there on so many of those tenants.
I did a post today on Facebook and I took a picture of the tiny serving of cream of rice with the tiniest drizzle of raw honey on top of it. And I told, you know, in the post that this was my pre-workout, but I, I prefaced that with what many out there, many of these zealots in the keto carnivore world would say to me, they'd say, I'm a traitor. Oh, he uses rice and honey. Yeah, he's a sellout. He's a traitor. He's not really part of the keto community. He's not a part of the club. We're going to have to rip the badge off his shirt and burn it. He's going to have to be excommunicated from the club. I'm not a part of any club. The club I belong to is the club of this is what I do to be the best version of me I can possibly be. If it sounds like something you'd enjoy, try it. If what you're doing is working great for you, keep doing it. If you're going to criticize me for what I do and what it does for my health and my fitness and my physique and the way that I take care of my family, screw yourself. I don't want to hear it. You're a zealot if you do that. The photo that I submitted in the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Facebook group was a one-eighth cup of cream of rice that I cooked in water. And once that came out, I put a very small drizzle of raw honey, roughly a tablespoon. I do this prior, I did this prior to a very brutal push-pull training workout that I just completed a short time ago. When I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to drive home, I'm going to strap a 60-pound rucksack to my back, and I'm going to go ruck for roughly an hour on dynamic terrain outdoors in the 90-plus degree heat. Here's what I can assure you of, kind listeners. That small amount of carbs will be long gone and probably before that ruck is even over. It will help fuel me. It did help fuel me through my very, very grueling push-pull session and it will continue to do so through my ruck. And then when that is gone, I will convert back over to burning fatty acids but that tiny amount of carbohydrate that I took in will probably be the last carbohydrates I take in for the day and will roughly account for maybe five or 6% of my total daily intake for the day. In other words, the effect on my physique will be zero in terms of how I feel, inflammatory effects. Obviously there'll be no weight gain because I am because of my training, because of my output, because output, because of my meticulous nature towards what I put in my body, I will be in a slight caloric deficit. And the remainder of my macros intake will, for the day will be fairly equally divided by percentage between protein and fat. And all of that protein and fat will be coming from meat, eggs, fish, and I will occasionally partake in some raw dairy when I can get it, which is maybe a sliver of two of maybe some raw cheese. And when I can get it, maybe a small bit of raw milk, which is nothing like the milk shit you get in the supermarket. Possibly one of the most anabolic things you can put in your body, but that's another podcast. And I do on occasion have a very small serving of plain full fat, Greek yogurt. And that's pretty much my day. And I'm great with that because I feel great. 
I create this great balance between ghrelin and leptin. And I don't get hungry. I feel satisfied. I feel sharp. I perform well. I sleep like a damn baby. So all of you zealots out there that want to throw stones, relax. You know not of what you speak. <laughs> okay, so chill. Do what works for you. And if what I'm doing is different, high five me, even if it's virtual, keep doing what you do and leave me alone and those who might follow what I do because we can all play in the same fucking sandbox unless you're a vegan you can't come in <laughs> so yeah ketogenic bodybuilding if you want to really want to break it down is still part of what I do because I guarantee you I am in a state of nutritional ketosis at times throughout the day now what am I doing that differs from when I was competing well there are a few things well let's let's turn this podcast into actually having a point and let me walk through those things today because this this is you know I like to say that I always wanted this podcast to be a medium where I could say it's not just about broad scope philosophy. I also want to be nuts and bolts, meaning I'm going to get, I've given you the broad strokes of where my head's at and I've some justification into that, you know, into that way of thinking. And I'm going to walk you through the steps of this. This is what Rob's doing now. And I'm proud of it because though my physique has changed, and I did that on purpose. <laughs> my, I have a different goal. My goal when I was a competitive bodybuilder was what? To put, push the envelope on muscularity while getting myself to a ridiculously, almost unhealthy level of body fat for a specific purpose to look a certain way on a certain date at a certain time on this day throughout the year in order to stand in front of a panel of critical judges under bright white glaring light in less than my underwear and be judged for what I have done. So the process of that is different than what it might be for just being the best version of yourself in terms of being a hybrid badass. In other words, think bodybuilder trains this way to achieve this and it's impressive. Or maybe somebody, a guy who's trying to go through selection to become a Navy SEAL. He's also, or she is also, a certain level of ridiculous badass. But they operate differently in order to achieve a goal. So my goal now is this. This is where we get to the practicality of this podcast. Here's one of the bullet points. My goal now is to be in the area of 10% body fat, which would be lean, exposed abdominals. But I also want to be the best physical performing version of myself that I can be at my age. I do not only want to be strong for my age, but I want to be able to move my body efficiently to complete hard tasks 
which will make me a hybrid version of not only strong, but fit, but conditioned and healthy with a push towards longevity, living as long as I possibly can in an optimized physical body. Quite the opposite of what the overwhelming majority of people are doing now. We, you and I, who are doing what I'm doing, are among the extreme minority. Whichever one I'm doing, I'm still trying to be what I call the freak in the room. So that with that goal of being sub 10% body fat year round, it changes things a little bit. I was telling a client this morning, normally I would go through a four to six month gain phase where I'm taking in four to 5,000 calories a day, eating every two to three hours because the only goal is the addition and preservation of lean muscle mass. And my training would only be lending to that means, to that end. And I would only do very low intensity, steady state cardio because I'm not trying to tap into any muscle at all. I'm just trying to get a little bit of conditioning, burn a little body fat, without tapping into lean muscle because it's all about aesthetics. Bodybuilding is about aesthetics. Yes, you can gain a healthy outcome. You, you can improve your health doing that, many do. But then there's a point where you might have diminishing returns because you're pushing yourself so hard to compete if you're competing at a higher level and you're doing it every single year. So now this is one of the first years in many that I can remember that I'm not going through some ridiculous four or 5,000 calorie gain phase anymore. I'm not going through this mass building phase. Now it's just train hard in the gym, train hard out on the streets, add in some conditioning shit and put a very strong focus on a more longevity based health based version of how I eat. So I made some minor adjustments and started focusing in on a lot of the things that were important to me when I first came into this an ancestral health kind of a sphere. Doing the things that our ancestors did, the things that made them the leanest, fittest, most disease-free people on the fossil record. That was the hunter-gatherer. And people will argue, dumb people, oh, well, the, their lifespan was only into the 30s. Yeah, right. Had nothing to do with heart disease, had nothing to do with cancer, had nothing to do with stroke, had nothing to do with diabetes, had nothing to do with this myriad of metabolic dysfunction that we're all living under today. It had to do with the fact they got speared by a fucking rhino. They fell off a cliff. That they cut their leg on a sharp rock. And they bled out because they didn't have a, you know, a suture kit on them because they didn't have, you know, a splint. They couldn't stop the bleeding. They, they, they got, you know, uh, uh, bit by a fucking spider. There's hundreds of things that could happen if you're living out there the way they did. And I'm not even factoring in infant mortality. Babies being born in fucking huts and caves. So that's what figured into that 30 something lifespan it had nothing to do with disease and nothing to do with illness. Hell, you can go back to the 1970s. If we could teleport it back to the 1960s or 70s, walk on any beach in America and it's just a bunch of thin people. 
And that was the accumulation of processed foods, sugars, seed oils, and the like, high palatable, hyper palatable foods, things in boxes and bags lined on every checkout line on any type of restaurant or retail store these days. It used to be you were tempted if you walked into a convenience store to pay for your gas because there's a whole freaking display of candy bars right under your waist as you were checking out and the 800 packs of cigarettes behind the cashier. Or at the supermarket checkout when you're standing in line and you look to your left under the tabloids and there's 56 different kinds of candy bars right there and 36 different kinds of sugary sodas. Now you get it any freaking where you go. I go to one of these TJ Maxx home goods kind of a places with my wife. She loves these things. And we're checking out through this maze that, you know, would give Disney a run for its money. The, the way you have to go through these freaking turnstiles and go down this aisle and then, you know, 180 to this way and then 180 to that way as you're waiting in line to get to the damn cashier to pay for all your bullshit that you don't need. And there's like, it's those lines are, the shelves are lined with candy and freaking caramel corn and, you know, chocolates and cracker, every variety of cookie and cracker and, you know, just bullshit as far as you can see until you get to the checkout. No wonder. The thing about what we do, the training, the cardio, the HIIT workouts, the getting adequate sleep, the, the way we eat, th that protocol is not complicated. Writing you a program. Now, I do put a lot of work into my workout programs. Like on the tier one I was talking about earlier, I put a lot of thought into that. And that's why it's been so popular. People dig it. But if I'm just, if I'm doing this on a bar napkin, over a drink and I tell you this is what you have to do to truly make a wholesale change and change your life I can break it down to the simplest form and, and make it sound easy because really the, the formulation the formula is easy it's doing the work it's the dedication to that work and doing it day after day week after week month after month and having the balls to say no thank you when your idiot coworker is trying to bring you back down to their level of pathetic because they're too weak to make a positive change for good to themselves. So in order to, so for them to feel less guilty, they have to bring you down to their level. It's a constant fight everywhere we go. Every place you go, it can be at home, it can be in the workplace, it can be everywhere. You're constantly in this broken beer bottle bar fight to the death just trying to navigate your senses to being fine-tuned into the task at hand to be the best fucking human being you can be. And we're the weirdos. We're the freaks. Truly, it's what it is. I'm sure you see this. But if you stick to your freaking guns and you put into the work, you will get great reward from the effort that you put forth. And then you can tell these people to just go screw themselves. And often, if you can toe the line and hang in there long enough, soon those same people that were trying to make you feel like an idiot for not eating the cake at Kathy's retirement party are going to be quietly asking you, so what are you doing? How, so <clears throat> how do you eat? So really? 
I don't have to be a vegan. You're eating meat and you're getting lean. What? You're, you exercise. How do you exercise? What? You're, what? You only, you only train in 30, 40 minutes a day, 45. Okay. Cardio. So you're not running. Oh, you, you're just walking. That's it. They'll start asking you questions. And sadly, for one out of every 30 that you talk to, one might actually do something because we live in a crisis of comfort where everybody wants the cushy life and nobody's willing to put in any work. Where in fact, every time you put forth an effort, and this is proven, geeky PhDs you know, prove this. It's fact that the harder you work, the greater the level of satisfaction when you succeed. And that in time will become addictive, but it takes time. And we live in a quick fix world of social media, 140 characters, scroll, 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 look fast, move on, look fast, move on, read the headline only, believe what everybody says, nothing more to see here, believe the narrative. You have to break away from that. So how do you do that? Again, this, the formula is simple, guys. And that's what we try to walk you through. That's what I try to walk you through when you're working with me as a client. So what does that mean? It's the same thing, but I, I've put an emphasis on some of the intangibles and X factor stuff that I didn't quite as excessively work into when I was a competitive bodybuilder. Now I'm trying to compete at life. Now every day is day one. Every day I wake up and it's like, today is the day. This isn't day six. This isn't day 12. This isn't my third month of my program. This is day fucking one of being the absolute best human being that I can possibly be. And nothing will get in my way. Now, do I screw up? Of course I do. Do I have bad days? Yep. All the time. Do I cave in certain times? Yep. Two weekends ago, I had ice cream. Guess what? I like ice cream. Guess what? Ice cream tastes good. So I had some ice cream with my daughter, but because it was just that one time on that one evening on that one Saturday and the next morning I got up and did my shit the way it's supposed to be done and pushed hard. It was a blip in time. It didn't affect me. I didn't let it turn me into a guy that was sitting in an alley panhandling for ice cream because I have dedication to the cause because I'm not going to be hyper motivated 24, seven, 365. And there will be those moments where I have the ice cream, but because my dedication is still intact, I brush that shit off and I move forward because sometimes you'll have these little blips in your day, week, month, or year where you succumb to some simple pleasures with a daughter. And I will never feel guilty for that. So the goals now have changed, but really they're kind of the same. What would that program look, night, look like on a bar napkin? Okay, for first we got to take like three bar napkins and stack them on top of each other because it's a little bit longer list than a bar napkin, but I can give you some of my basics right off the top of my head. And you're going to agree that what I'm telling you to do is not difficult. It's the follow through. It's making the time. And some of the things on this list is about creating the time. 
Number one, you train intensely with weights. Well, that hasn't changed. I trained intensely with weights when I was into the bodybuilding sphere back in the early 90s to a degree that I can't even comprehend anymore. I went so fucking hard. I mean, I went hard to where you bust blood vessels in your whites of your eyes to where you go puke and come back and do another set. I understand training intensely with weights and I still train fairly intensely with weights when I was even doing some cycling and running and triathlon. I trained very intensely with weights throughout my entire bodybuilding career later in my life in my 40s and 50s. I still train intensely with weights today, although the protocol has changed slightly. And if you follow my wolf program in tier one, that's what I'm doing. You train intensely with weights. And if you're over 40, there's something called sarcopenia, which is the inevitable loss of muscle mass. You cannot stop it. It's inevitable, just like we're all going to die. But you can slow that reduction of muscle mass and live a better life in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 100s, provided you don't get hit by a bus or eaten by a shark while getting struck by lightning. Sarcopenia is a thing, but you can slow it. The average American is doing nothing to slow it. And in this current day and age, sarcopenia, the inevitable loss of muscle tissue, is now affecting people in their 20s and 30s, where it usually only affected people in their 40s and 50s is when it started, and then goes on a slight downward slope until we inevitably die. How do you prevent the loss of lean mass? And maybe even add more, you lift intensely with weights and you take in adequate protein period you could also throw in sleep with that the other thing to remember is when you're training intensely with weights as the intensity gets greater the volume should the volume should be lower if you're going super hard in the gym if you're truly going super hard in the gym and i mean truly in your heart of hearts know that i am giving every damn set everything i got If you're going any longer than 45 minutes to an hour, then you really weren't going all out because as the intensity raises, the volume has to come down. They're always in opposition. If you lessen the intensity, then the volume can become greater, the time you spend in the gym or on that workout. But of all the metrics of success in weightlifting, the things that come into play, intensity, duration, frequency, the most important is intensity, always will be. Frequency is next, how often you train. Volume is by far the least important. I'd rather go hard and heavy as hell and super intense for 30 minutes than meander around the gym for an hour and a half, cherry picking my way around and not pushing myself to a high intensity level. You should be wrecked at the end of your session, but you'll find in time that wrecked feels good because your physiology is changing as well as your mental acuity and mindset. So train intensely with weights, build aerobic capacity, a mistake I've made from time to time. When I was competing, there were those days or those periods through my gain phase where I thought, oh, I'm just trying to build muscle. I don't need to go do the cardio. I learned a little bit later that the cardio was really important for my health, for my conditioning, the overall look of my physique improved. It made it easier to shred body fat when I needed to shred body fat. I felt better. I slept better. I had some of the best mental acuity throughout the day when I was out doing that cardio. My my thinking was focused. Some of the the best ideas that I had were during those cardio sessions where I'd have to literally stop and, and, and talk them into my phone so I wouldn't forget them. 
I believe that even physique competitors should do cardiovascular exercise year-round, build that aerobic capacity. It is a true hack to great health and longevity. And it's only going to help you in the gym with those high-intensity workouts. Mark my word, it's important. Build the next one on the list. We're up to three now. Build the metabolic machinery of your body. What does that mean? Now, this may not apply to everyone, but it certainly applies to me now, and I think it probably applies to most. Do a high-intensity interval workout at least once a week. Where you're doing sort of a hit high-intensity interval training workout or a Metcon, whatever you want to call it, you'll see some major improvements in your physique, in your health, how you feel, in body fat reduction, and there's other things happening in the body when you do these HIIT workouts that may not be evident at that time, but they start to accumulate down the road. A HIIT workout burns a ton of calories. That's always a good thing, especially if you're trying to stay lean, stay fit. It keeps burning calories, and this might be one of the most important things. See, these HIIT workouts, this is real world kind of strength. Some refer to it as functional strength, another term I can't stand but I'll go ahead and acknowledge that it's accurate. The building this functional strength where you're asking pretty much every muscle of the body to fire and trigger and, and activate throughout these movements. So, so much more is going on. And you get this afterburn effect from these workouts. It's, the term for that is EPOC or excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. That means that after you finish your workout, your body still keeps burning calories as it goes through all the necessary recovery mechanisms to bring itself back to a normal state. In addition to that, one major benefit of these HIT workouts and that afterburn effect that I just mentioned is that process can last up to even 24 hours. And there's been studies to prove this. There's one Colorado State University study that I was reading uh, just the other day that that really took this to task and walked you through these benefits and it was it was solid research so that afterburn effect is important because it does build and rev up the metabolism and it has been shown to truly increase metabolism post-exercise even greater than the cardio aforementioned cardio and the aforementioned strength training in the gym so it's just another you know, arrow to put in your quiver. It's another element of your arsenal to be the best absolute freaking machine you can possibly be. You'll burn more fat by doing HIIT exercise. It does give you the body this great, just like chiseled look. It helps your heart. It's great for heart health. Um, it'll help, you know, stabilize your blood sugar levels. All good things. So yeah. Build the metabolic machinery by throwing in an occasional HIIT workout. Eat an animal-based high-protein diet. I mean, that's predominantly why people started following me is because I was part of that, you know, original low-carb keto primal ethos and then sort of built a name for myself because I carved out a methodology of using that style of eating around very intense training up to the point of even physique competition. And now, you know, I also work with triathletes. I work with 
ultra runners. I work with CrossFit types. I work with everybody and we make minor adjustments to all of this animal-based style diet to complement the athlete and what their output is and what their goal is. So what does an animal-based diet look like for me now? It's very similar to what I've been doing, but it's not a named diet. It's not carnivore because I don't just eat meat and salt. If that works for you, great. I'm not sort of uh, therapeutic keto, super high fat, zero, almost zero carbs, moderate protein to even low protein. I tried that in the early days. Seems like centuries ago. And oddly, what brought me out is I made some initial changes to that, some adaptations to that, and then started doing it to people to help them. And I oddly turned into like at that point in my career, the guy that people came to to, fi- to fix their ketogenic diet. In almost all cases, it was just an increased amount of protein. Finding that balance, leveraging that protein to fat ratio. And then I would occasionally do some refeeds on some certain athletes. I would uh, do some cyclical stuff with carbs around workouts. So my, they're, they're calling it animal-based now. I don't know what to call it. Because I don't think you can attach a name to the way I eat necessarily. And I don't think I should really have to, to qualify it. In time, I'm sure I will have to label it to some degree. But for now, I eat predominantly animal protein. That's, that's the foundation of my entire day. It's meat, predominantly red meat, some poultry, and my poultry is usually a nice combination of lean and fattier poultry. Like I'll have a half a chicken breast with a couple of chicken thighs or a chicken leg. I'll cook these in typically in butter or ghee. I'll have some fish, might be some wild caught salmon just my typical go-to I'll cook that in butter or ghee I'll cook meat if I grill it it's not cooked in anything and sometimes if I use a skillet I'll use a small amount of beef tallow or the ghee that I mentioned before so yeah meat beef poultry fish some pork eggs I have my own chickens I get pastured eggs every day. I think eggs are phenomenal. And I will adjust the level of or the ratio of fat to protein based on where I'm at. And if I want to lean out, I'll up the protein and go to a little leaner meat. If I'm not, if I'm maintaining and and just want to make sure my performance is on point, then I might adjust the ratio again, bring the fat up a little bit. But I adjust it to my level of success where I can look in the mirror every day and say, okay, that's the way I want to look. I'm performing the way I want to perform. I feel the way I want to feel. I'm waking up refreshed. I'm sleeping like a baby. My blood markers are good. We're good. So I eat an animal-based diet. Meat. I, I, I've used the word carnivore. I don't know what the hell else to call it. I've used the word keto because even though it was a hybrid, it was still the best way to explain it. But, you know, I do have some vegetables. I'm not going to jump on this. If you eat vegetables, you're going to die train. I'm not going to do that because I do not believe that's the case. I think you have to address your individual tolerance to certain vegetables. 
My wife can't eat broccoli. She'll blow up like a freaking puffer fish and feel like crap and have all kinds of gastric distress. I'm not a big fan of vegetables, but I'm smart enough to know that I don't need them. It's not a thing to where I eat vegetables because I have to have the fiber. You don't. I eat vegetables because I have to have those micronutrients. You don't. But I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that eating vegetables is going to be toxic to your body and all these plant defense chemicals are going to make you your head explode. I think you have to assess your own individual tolerances to these things. I like two or three vegetables and I eat those on occasion when I feel like it. How's that for a prescription? I like sauteed cabbage with some garlic, salt and pepper and butter cooked in a cast iron skillet. So I eat that with my steak or my chicken or my fish. I like cauliflower roasted in garlic and butter, salt and pepper, either in a cookie sheet in the oven or in a cast iron skillet. And I'll have that with my steak, my poultry, my fish or my eggs or whatever, because I like it. I love onions. You could dice up some onions and sprinkle them on a turd and I would eat it. I just like onions. And none of these three vegetables that I just mentioned give me any discomfort or gastric upset whatsoever. I do fine on them. If I'm out to dinner and somebody wants to give me a, a salad and it doesn't have anything on it that I think is, you know, goes against my protocol and what I believe, I'll eat the damn thing. I don't care. I'm just not going to put any fucking dressing on it. I like avocados. I think avocados are great to include. I think it's okay to have full fat great yogurt. I think it's okay to have some occasional fruit like low sugar berries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries. I think it's okay to have a fucking apple. Again, when I have these things, I have them in a very small amount and typically around my training. So my body will use them and then they're gone. I think a little bit of raw honey is fine. But the problem is if you still have this physiological and mental addiction to these foods, which I don't give a fuck what your PhD says. If you're going to tell me that, oh, carbs aren't addictive. That's a, that's a myth. You're full of shit. They are addictive. That's why we're all fat and diseased. I know enough to know that when I eat sugar, candy, cake, cookies, baked goods, pancakes, pizza, that these hyper palatable, high sugar, high sat, you know, high artificial fat foods make me want to eat more of them. You put a bowl of peanut M&Ms on a table that I pass by 30 times a day. I'll have 30 servings of peanut M&Ms. But if you put little nuggets of ribeye on a plate, I might have enough to feel satisfied. Then I'm moving on. I'm not going to grab another hunk of ribeye every time I walk past it. It's not the way it works in the body. It's hyper palatable shit. And we're inundated with it everywhere we go. Do you think our hunter gatherer ancestors who whose entire focus of their day of the the output that they endured to secure meat do you think if we passed a case of Snickers bars through a time machine and plopped it out on the plane, if the hunter gather clan stumbled onto that while out on a long persistence hunt and cracked it open, tore open that wrapper and took a bite out of that Snickers, you know damn well they would all eat those Snickers until they went into a fucking coma 
And then when they came to, they'd carry the rest of that shit back like they just found treasure. And then they would probably slowly allocate it out and, and you know, to, to try to ration that shit because it's so freaking good and it would cause their bodies to go into an overload of cravings because that's just the way that hyperpalatable shit works in our bodies. All right, I just went off on a little tangent there. I apologize. But so anyway, my animal-based ketogenic carnivore-ish kind of protein fat diet is of that. It's simply meat, eggs, fish, a couple of vegetables that I enjoy, carbohydrates around my workouts. Boom. How hard is that? It's not hard. Sometimes we get crazy and my wife will make some sort of a cream sauce with heavy whipping cream, maybe a little bit of sour, full fat sour cream, or maybe a tad of Greek yogurt with some you know, other spices and garlic and shit. And then we'll spoon that over our, you know, pork loin, you know, and it's good. It's low carb. I know because of my output, uh, my output with exercise, I know because of my metabolic flexibility and the fact that I've been super low carb for years, even with the refeeds, even with the carbs around workouts, my body dips in and out of ketosis so easily and so efficiently now. You can literally feel it. But I do not believe you need to be in lifelong ketosis. You need to be in lifelong no carbs. I don't think that's necessary to achieve optimal health and vitality and peak performance. There might be some outliers out there that just, you know, there are people out there that if I eat a bite of carbs, I just completely fall apart. Then don't eat them. Find what works for you. But nobody's going to convince me that you need to be low protein. There are the outliers that fit that category. You'd have to look high and low to find those people. Too much fat can be a bad thing. If you're eating fat in excess of your output, it's going to store. I don't give a fuck who you are. So I make sure my output is great. My intake is slightly below what I know my maintenance is. And if you're just eating a lot of meat and eggs and fish, you're going to do just fine. It's saying no to the bad shit. That's the hard part. So when I'm eating my animal-based diet, here's number five, I get my fats from inclusive sources and less from exogenous sources, meaning I don't like adding in outside fats very much. The only ones that I do now are when I cook in some butter, that butter is an exogenous fat. When I cook in beef tallow, that beef tallow is an exogenous fat. I only use a tiny amount, maybe a teaspoon, just enough to coat the bottom of my cast iron pan and give it a little bit of flavor. I'm not putting big wax of it on my pan to thinking fat burns fat. I need more fat. That's silly. I'm getting my the fat that I truly need within the meat that I'm cooking, and I add a little bit from the butter or the ghee or the tallow to cook into because I know that's not going to be harmful for me. It's going to be actually healthy for me. So I get my fats from, from more from inclusive sources within the meats, within the eggs, within the fish that I eat, within the avocados, within the you know plain Greek yogurt that I am going to be dumping a bunch of exogenous fats. I used to be a big fan of olive oil, avocado oil, and macadamia nut oil. I'm not so much anymore. They do can contain a decent amount of linoleic acid, which is a, a fat that you really don't want in your body. There's no need for that. I'd prefer to get my fats from what's included in my meat and eggs and fish 
the avocados that I eat, the raw dairy that I consume. And I'm going to stick to oils like coconut, butter, ghee, tallow, things like that. So number five is get your fats from inclusive sources and less exogenous sources. Number six, consume carbs around training. I'm not going to beat this horse any further. I think it's fine. If you don't like it, don't do it. I get a performance boost from a little bit of carbohydrate. You know, we talked earlier about my post about a tiny bit of cream of rice and a tiny bit of raw honey. It could be a rice cake with some raw honey. It could be a rice cake with a tiny smear of almond butter and some raw honey, or even skip the honey on that one. It could be a fucking banana. If you consume those carbs around training, it's going to be a clean burning performance fuel that your body will burn through during that training, provided it wasn't too much, resulting in a zero net bad side effect from those carbohydrates because they're gone. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire. If I put a bunch of shrubbery into a fire pit and I pour some gasoline on it and throw a match on it, it's going to ignite the fire. It's going to stimulate the burning of that brush until that brush is gone. And then the gas is gone and then it's no longer on fire. So I'm going to consume just the right amount of carbohydrates prior to my training. Then I'm going to light the fire, burn that son of a bitch as hot as I freaking can. And then it's gone. And then what am I having post-workout? You guessed it. Meat. <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard. So consume your carbs around training is ideal. Now listen, if it's four o'clock and you're within your caloric ceiling and you want to have a handful of blueberries, you're fine. If you tolerate blueberries, you're fine. If you want to have some freaking nibble on some, uh, a handful of organic carrots, be my guest. If they don't bother you, if they don't put you over your caloric ceiling, if they don't upset your stomach, who cares? You be you if it truly works for you. But if there's a food that is on that, you know, sort of on the, on the fence and it affects you negatively, then don't eat it. Stick with the animal-based protocol because that's what works. There are some people that can only eat very, very strict animal base, even tipping into carnivore style diets. If that's you, great. If you perform well on that, great. I'm not asking you to switch. I'm not a zealot. So number seven, this is important. This is, this is one of those things, even though I did it when I was competing, because I wanted to be tan, <laughs> get out in the sun every day. I cannot stress how important this is. We are solar powered creatures. You can't, I, I, it would take a two hour podcast for me to walk through bullet point style, the benefits that you get from adequate daily sun exposure and no popping vitamin D pills is not the same. It might help a little, but sun is the most potent life giving wonderful nutrient your body will ever absorb. And it is the precursor to help with the development and production of testosterone and growth hormone and all the most important processes in the body. Study after study. Now, the mainstream, the pharmaceutical industry wants you to have no part of it because it gets into their profit margin, just like they don't want you to know the benefits of magnesium. Just like they don't want you to know the benefits of 
eating an animal-based diet, just like they don't want you to know the benefits of any of these things. That saturated fat won't kill you. That cholesterol is not bad. I digress. So get out in the sun daily. It's freaking critical. Why are you doing your cardio on a treadmill anyway? Get outside. Get some sun on your body. Breathe some fresh air. Be in dynamic terrain. Live like a human being was meant to live. Moving through space in the elements. It's good for the soul. Number eight, sleep. I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. If you're not getting seven to eight hours of sleep, restful, good, deep sleep nightly, you're screwed. If you're going to be one of these people that pounds their chest and brags about how well they do on so little sleep, to me, you're just an idiot. I laugh at you. You're not impressing me. You're a moron. Sleep is critical. Sleep is when the magic happens. Sleep is when you recover all the body's processes. It's when you grow muscle. It's when you burn the most fat. It's when you rejuvenate brain cells. It's when all the good shit happens. When all those wonderful things that this amazing body is piecing together to make you a better human being, it's doing it while you're at rest. Number nine, cease seed oils and sugar. Yeah, I talked about getting in a little bit of carbohydrate around training. I didn't say eat gummy bears. Yeah, I said fats can be healthy. Not seed oils, not canola oil, vegetable oil, corn oil, safflower oil, soybean oil, rapeseed oil. And I'm not a real big fan anymore of olive oil, avocado oil, or macadamia nut oil. The overwhelming majority of olive oil you're getting these days is already rancid by the time you bring it home. That's a fact. And if it goes rancid, it's just going to fuck up your body. Number 10, reduce eating out to one or two times a month. Some people just fell out of their damn chair or drove their car into a ditch. Sorry. Everything that they cook for you, even in the fanciest restaurants, except for some glaring, you know, rare exceptions, they're cooking it in the cheapest shit they can get by the gallon bucket. Even that lean chicken breast that you think is so healthy for you at the restaurant, they probably cooked it in some sort of a seed oil. Anything recipe-based, they, they created with seed oils. They're not cooking in beef tallow anymore. Every once in a while, if you want to go out, have a date night or just do whatever, go eat, that's fine. Be as vigilant as you can while you're ordering. Try to make the best decisions you can while you're ordering. But you're going to do so much better if you just cook food at home. You know that thing in your kitchen that's got the four little spirally things on top and they get hot when you turn that switch on? That's a stove. That's where you cook your food. So reduce that eating out to one or two times a month and you'll probably lose 10 pounds just by doing that. Number 11, filter your water. The contaminants in tap water and even in bottled water are ridiculous. Fluoride is toxic. No, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Well, I kind of am. But I'm not currently wearing a tinfoil hat, and I can tell you that I absolutely 100% believe in my heart of heart and soul of soul that fluoride and tap water is greatly and significantly beating the shit out of your health. So we filter our water at home. We haven't got to the point where our entire water supply coming into our ho home is filtered, but we're on our way to that. Right now, our refrigerator and our kitchen sink are filtered with a three-stage filter that blocks everything, including fluoride. 
So try to do that. You can get a fill, three-stage filtration system from Amazon for 100 bucks, and it's worth every damn penny. Number 12, reduce blue light stimulation after dark. I can't tell you again how much this is ruining you. I know it's hard. At least limit it to one TV show on Netflix after dark. But being behind a phone, a tablet, a laptop, TVs, on fluorescent lighting, blue light stimulation after dark is wrecking you. It's crushing your circadian rhythm and it's creating a lot of stress on the body and it's not putting you in a state where your body can fully function and recover at the rate that it needs to. So try to read books instead of watching reruns of The Walking Dead. Read by candlelight. Make a fire pit in the backyard and chill and talk to family. Talk to people. Get off your fucking phone. I've tried to do a lot more of this, and my screen time recently is half, maybe more than uh, half than what it used to be. And the last thing I want to talk about today, but I don't want to keep you guys too long. We've already been here an hour and 20, is train outside some. It is so good for the soul. You'll burn more calories. Your mental acuity will heighten. You'll be more grounded to the earth. The terrain is more dynamic. So when I was talking about you know aerobic capacity and metabolic machinery, I always do my cardio outdoors. I strap on a 40 to 60 pound rucksack. I add a little bit of extra stimulus to my walking and I'll walk anywhere from 40 to 60 minutes a day outside. And if I'm walking through town, every sidewalk or street that I'm on that has a grassy or gravel or dirt shoulder, I walk on that until there is no more. Then I'll get up back on the sidewalk or back on the street. And then if it gets dynamic again, I'll go off on that because it's going to ca cause the body to work a little harder. So train outside whenever possible. So, but this is good. I might need to do a part two of this podcast. This is kind of where I'm at right now. I'm being more hyper aware of every element, every puzzle piece that you need to put together, every Lincoln log <laughs> that you need to piece together, every Lego block that you need to piece together to make, to, to build your structure to be the most sound it can possibly be. This has been my transition, but it hasn't been a, a, a step backward from competitive bodybuilding. It's been a step through another door, another transition into doing something difficult to improve on who I already am and take it to another level. And this time it's beyond the aesthetic. It's beyond the aesthetic to the the level of performance, the level of health, the level of longevity, the level of mental acuity to be the best human being that I could possibly be. But nothing has changed in terms of intensity. To be that person that I am striving to be and for you to be who you want to be, it takes freaking work. You need to come out of that comfort zone every single day. And you need to push yourself beyond where you were yesterday. There's no easy day. Every day is day one. And tomorrow you're going to work harder than you did today. And the next day and the next day and the next day. 
Ask some of the people on my tier one program. They're like, gee, man, I thought last week was bad. Jesus Christ. And then on certain times, I'll give them a deload week. We'll back off a little bit. We'll reset. We'll grow. We'll heal. We'll improve. And then bam, like a two by four in the face, we're back at it. Taking you out of that comfort zone and pushing you to new heights, to new levels, to new possibilities beyond what you see in front of you every day in this lazy, weak, pathetic culture of sheep. So I challenge you to take a step today outside of comfort, outside of your 72 degree perfect space and strive to be something that others will not. And soon your behavior outside of comfort will become infectious on the people that you interact with. We're at an hour and 24. That's enough for today. Go to robgoodwin.com. Check out the link tree link in the show notes for all the links and all the cool shit that I mentioned on the outside of the podcast. Join tier one, get on my team so we can start hanging out. And above all, train hard, diet harder. And beyond that, turn off the TV tonight, read a good book, talk to your family, or just sit in peace. And meditate on the things that you're proud of, that make you happy, and show some appreciation. Have a great day. I try to get another podcast out next week. I'll do my very best because I do enjoy this stuff, and I thank you so much for your support. Have a great day. Please message me if you need anything. I'm here to help. Peace, guys.